EFTM Tech Cars Lifestyle This is the EFTM Podcast with Trevor Long EFTM Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Great to have your company once again on the EFTM podcast. If it's your first time listening, thank you for joining us. Lovely to have your company. Um, hit subscribe. Make sure you get it every every week when we release a new episode. Um, and if you've been listening for a little while and haven't done it yet, love you to leave a rating or a review, uh, which helps other people understand whether or not it's a good show. And, you know, hopefully uh, that's all going to be somewhat positive, uh, which is what we prefer, obviously. If you've got something negative to say, uh, please send me an email. Um, <laughs> um, thank you for for getting uh, for, for listening. But um, thank you to all the people who got in touch this week. We'll get it to a few of you this week. Um, plus, we're going to talk Amazon Alexa. We're going to talk about the new Echo Show Ten. I love it. It's a really cool device. So I'll talk to Kate Burley um, from uh, Amazon shortly. I also want to follow up on that conversation I was having about electric cars and the people at Charge Fox. So we'll talk to Charge Fox's CEO uh, this week as well. I do hope you're staying uh, dry wherever you are. Um, if anyone's affected by the flooding, uh, my, my thoughts are with you and hopefully you're getting all the support and help you need. Um, I was um, roped into taking my son and his mate on a photography journey on Sunday. They have photography in, in Year 9 and they had a little assignment to do, so we went and just looked at a few you know, uh, derelict buildings or train stations and different things to try and get some different shots and different um, perspectives. And I said, boys... I know it's an hour's drive, but do you want to go and see the flooding? Um, and I know it's, you know, disaster porn, but I said to them, I said, look, you're about to see something that you don't see for 10, 20, 30, maybe 40 years. And this is, you know, the opportunity to take a photo of it, let alone see it, is, is pretty interesting. So uh, we did. We stayed safe. We parked clearly a long way away. We stayed within the boundaries. And like everyone else, we just became tourists to a, a flooding event. Um, but it was fascinating to see. We were out at the Windsor Bridge out at Windsor, uh, in the Hawkesbury uh, out in uh, northwestern Sydney. And it's funny because I'd seen the new bridge being built a year or so ago. The old bridge is still there apparently. I didn't realise it was still there because it was underwater and probably six or seven metres underwater. And the new bridge was not quite covered when we were there, but there was barrels banging up against it, trees being washed down, all these different pits of debris. And the the rapid pace of the water was what got me. And I think... You're probably like me, you've never really seen flood water, you've only ever seen it on the news and you see things being swept away like cars. There was even a house this week that was swept away. But you see things being swept away in the water and you even see sometimes people hanging on to branches and being rescued and you don't realise truly how ferocious that water can be. Excuse me. And just, you know, standing on the overflowing banks of the Hawkesbury River and watching the speed at which things were flowing down that river was just mind-blowing to me. It was unbelievable. And it's it, it actually helped me because it makes me realise why we need to just completely and utterly stay away from those things. Now, we were completely safe because, you know, the town of Windsor up on the hill is is good. It's the other side of the hill that's the real problem, other side of the river that's the real problem. Uh, for people in areas like Taree or Kempsey and, and the like, it must just be horrible to see essentially the town uh, engulfed in water. So... Hopefully everyone's safe and well and um, the cleanup can be done uh, in, in rapid pace so that you're not disadvantaged by the situation. It's um, just an unbelievable situation overall. And, uh, you know, it's weird to watch, isn't it? And it dominates the news. It dominates social media. Um, 
But it is also fascinating. I think about this, this smartphone generation. It's fascinating how much footage we have of things now. Um, it, we have it more immediately. And this is what we probably can't understand when you're trying to explain it to your kids, how we might not have witnessed these things before because it used to be they had to get a chopper up there. They had to get a crew up there. They had to get cameras on the ground. Now the cameras are there the minute it happens. And so what you can see and what you can experience is so much more these days than it ever, ever was before. And I, I think that's just utterly fascinating. So um, anyway, um, thinking of anyone that's affected, but um, we will push on and uh, just put up with water. I mean, we've got umbrellas, so we're okay if you're in the big cities and you're not affected. Um, don't bloody whinge about the water because uh, there's people that are actually affected by it. I had a how backyard doesn't mind a little semi-flood. doesn't come near getting, going into the house, just the kind of back patio areas, old school, and it's just a bit of cement, and the drains clog up. <clears throat> and I went to Bunnings, and I bought a, uh, an, uh, an attachment, uh, a drain, a pipe cleaning attachment for the karcher, <clears throat> like a 10-metre bit of, ca- bit of um, pipe, a hose. You feed it down, and I thought it would squirt the water forwards and kind of blow the blockage away but actually what it does is squirt backwards and i'm jamming it in there pulling out doing everything and it didn't work anyway about an hour later i thought hang on a minute and i got the plunger from the bathroom sink and i just plunged away at the pipe and you know what Poof, off it went and within an hour the backyard was drained just a bit of drain maintenance is what we need but anyway a lot of things you have to do in these times i'm i'm more worried about how much lawn i'm gonna have to mow Things shooting up like nothing else. I'm not meant to have to mow as many times in the winter. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll get onto that because the backyard, Larry, sorry, no, Edward is the lawnmower. Larry's the vacuum. Uh, Edward doesn't go out in the rain. I might have to send him out a couple of times though. <sighs> These are the challenges of a robot generation, folks. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Thank you for listening. Happy to take your calls and hear, read your emails. So just go to the website, eftm.com. Click on Ask Trev. That's what Russ did. G'day, Russ. G'day, Trev. How are you today? Yeah, real good, buddy. You sound like you're out at a cafe or something, just getting sipping some latte down there in Melbourne, are we, mate? Yeah, yeah, just before work. So, uh, yeah, hope you're well. Yeah, very good, um, mate. Very good. I was talking about EVs the other day, and you uh, you sent me a note with your, uh, your desire for an EV. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, look, I, I've been uh, obviously very keen on the uh, EVs ever since uh, Tesla released an electric car. But uh, um, in, you know, in Australia, we're we're kind of a bit behind from a pricing perspective, um, and uh, there was a massive tax on the, the electric cars, and uh, still is to date. So uh, it's definitely been very prohibitive. Do, what do you th- what do you think about something like the MG? I mean, forty four grand for an MG electric car is that still too expensive in your mind yeah well look it's um it's definitely uh on par i'm currently driving a uh, volkswagen passat um r-line so it's uh it's kind of a bit of a specked up um you know family wagon yeah, yeah. Uh, which i really love and uh yeah look um uh the the cost of a, a volkswagen is around about 60 grand so but being on a company lease um you know i'm able to kind of buy a car that's kind of in that uh that range but um i, I just can't justify um you know kind of the um what, what you're doing away with um the mg obviously is a great price point um for an electric car but i'd just be forgoing all the luxury oh, i was just um, gonna say items. mate far out yeah. it'd be like going from oh, i can't even imagine it's like going from cloth to leather it's you know there's so many things that would just be 
so compromised and not not just yeah. i mean you look the mg's a great car but you're driving a, a european a well-engineered well-designed well-fitted out mm. car it's just a fit and finish of a volkswagen compared to an mg and so you end up needing yeah. to go into that next next level and so you you end up being priced in the 80 90 000 mark for a, for an ev yeah. And look, you know, when the um, when we got word that you know uh, Alan was um, doing a, a thirty thousand dollar Tesla, I think mm. everyone was like, "Well, this is a very good opportunity to get into the market because maybe by the time it comes to Australia, it might be around sixty grand." Yep. But to to be pushing it over eighty to ninty uh, yep. for a thirty thousand dollar US car, it's just uh, it's ridiculous. It's insanity. Um, I remember putting um, the money down on that car, and I remember, in fact, talking to people at Tesla when they were, you know, really close to launching here, and but they hadn't announced pricing. And honestly, the the sense I got, the sense I got was that it would be fifty eight upwards, yeah. you know, so plus yeah. on roads and all that. So I thought maybe it's going to come in at 62, 63, drive away. And I didn't want range and performance. I just wanted the car. But, mate, that's just – it's it's yeah. utterly prohibitive. And, and with the greatest respect to anyone who's bought a Model 3, I, I, I wish I was you, but it's not the same um, as this – like money for money, value, the, yeah. what you'd get in a electric versus a petrol is just so much different in terms of fit, finish and inclusions. And look, I'm happy to pay a bit extra if, if you're getting innovation. And, and really, when I bought the Volkswagen, it, it had everything that a lot of other cars didn't at the time. And at the price point, you're getting a very good value for money. Um, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of manufacturers now making that commitment to go electric. You know, I was chatting to Volkswagen the other day and they were, they were talking, you know, from 2025, they're going to stop uh, producing petrol engines. Um, other manufacturers are saying 2030. So yeah. we know it's on the horizon, but what we're now seeing is we're seeing a lot of, um, uh, particularly in the Victorian government, they're now saying they're wanting to put a tax on uh, electric vehicles um, to, you know, kind of um, because, you know, they're getting 40% for petrol. Um, so again, are we going to be penalised for wanting a green uh, emissions vehicle, um, and not only getting taxed, but we're also paying uh, through the teeth for that innovation? And uh, yeah. I, I was really hopeful for, for, for Tesla, particularly, that we would get a uh, a good car around about the fifty to sixty range, but it's just not uh, possible. Two things. I'll talk about tax in a second, but is, I was just on the Tesla website looking at the price, and it's you know sixty six is the price for a Tesla Model Three. Yeah. But here's, and I do think this is outrageous that they can even advertise that price after savings. So the actual price is seventy one nine nine, so seventy two thousand dollars minus five thousand six hundred in petrol savings. How can they advertise the petrol savings in the price of the car? Of, yeah, Seriously. No. And, and when you're looking at seventy grand, you, you, you've uh, and you've said this before, you can buy a lot of other cars uh, in that price range, and that's actually out of my budget. But yeah. when you're looking at seventy grand, you're almost up to the next range of. Uh, Volkswagen or equivalent, um, you know, entry-level BMWs and all yeah. those kind of things. Yeah. So it's um, so uh, Russ, you're just not getting that. What do, we, but, what do we do about tax? Because um, the government isn't imposing a tax on electric cars. It's the it's the innovation that electric car makers are charging for the extra price of the cars. But the government loses out on on revenue in by the tune of seventeen billion dollars a year in excise. So at some point, it's going to come to a head. How do we solve that problem? You know, because the the money the money disappears. 
And uh, look, I, I think manufacturers are um, probably addressing that by opening up more factories. You know, um, Tesla are opening up factories in China oh, and yeah. started producing the Chinese models. So will that drive price down? I'm not sure, but it's just making it more accessible to more people. Yep. Um, you know, I think uh, Tesla have been able to cap their prices because of, um, you know, it's hard to get a, uh, access to a vehicle. Uh, you have to wait a while to get one ordered. Um, but now that there's a, a glut of them in the market, we're also starting to see a lot more secondhand. So I've even been keeping an eye on the secondhand market in yeah. the hope that I could potentially look at a um, a long range or a performance model. Uh, but there's still over 60 grand, um, even for a secondhand model. Yeah, they're uh, holding so, their value, aren't they? Yeah, which is, which is good. Um, but again, I, I'm not going to... I don't see value in moving down to uh, an MG or something like that. Um, maybe for a second car might be yeah. might be a good option, but um, yeah, just not not seeing the the, the value at the moment. But uh, um, you know, like I've pumped those uh, mortgage dollars into buying a house instead of a yeah. car, so I think that's uh, better. Uh, better money well spent so yeah. I'm with you mate I'm, you know, I had to buy the family car so I got the carnival there and refinancing I don't intend to use refinance money on a car I'm going to invest that in the property you know that's a, a smarter place to put your money but still I'm with you mate We're, the next car should be an EV but, but the market needs yeah. to evolve a bit beforehand. I think we're both Look, in that same uh, place. Yeah, I, I did say, I said back in, you know, 2016 when this uh, car came out, the Model 3, I said my, my next car will be an electric vehicle and I do stand by that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to keep keep the Voxy for a while. Um, but uh, my, my next car will be an electric vehicle. It's just about uh, when and when and what it's going to be. But, um, but uh, you know, I'm craving uh, technology innovation in, on the road. You know, I want to embrace, um, you know, software updates uh, in the car, all that kind of stuff. It's yeah. very exciting. But, uh, yeah, just uh, might have to stick to some other tech at the moment. So. Just just keep with the, the tech in the home. And when, when you're ready, <laughs> it'll, it'll happen on the road, mate. It'll happen. Yeah. All right, buddy. Good to That's hear awesome, from you. Mate. And uh, mate, uh, I'm wearing my daily talk show jumper right now. So, what, what, that's mate, uh, how's that for synergy? A couple of legends there about to celebrate their thousand show. So, looking forward to it. It'll be a good one. Thanks, mate. Good to chat. Take it easy, buddy. Cheers, Bye. cheers, Russ. Russ uh, discovered the uh, EFTM podcast through listening to Josh and Tommy on the daily talk show, and. Uh, they are about to celebrate a thousand episodes. They've been doing it for three years, um, so it's like five five shows a week, uh, and they did a bunch more last year as well. But um, yeah, good on them. Well done for a thousand episodes. Um, is abs- I mean, I've done a thousand episodes over uh, twelve years, so a thousand episodes in three years is a phenomenal achievement. And they uh, they keep cracking at it. And it's my it's my downtime. It's my because I work alone. Having Josh and Tommy on either on the YouTube or, or a podcast, just kind of makes me feel like there's other people in the room. So, uh, And it's a nice driving company as well. Anyway, uh, good on you, Russ. Thanks for getting in touch. And uh, I think we're, we're aligned on our desire to be EV, but the challenges that are presented. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Well, you know, I love my smart home. I love my smart lights. I... Don't mind having a thing to talk to that doesn't talk back to me. Um, so there's a lot of benefits to the uh, smart voice assistants that are in our home. And I've wavered. In fact, I've probably got all of them at home at any one time, all the different brands. But without prejudicing my conversation I'm about to have, I am tending heavily towards the Amazon ecosystem. And I, I don't know whether that's device-based or 
just kind of the way it interacts, but I just feel like I get more out of it. And um, that's saying a lot because I do, you know, have access to them all. So it's a pretty cool thing. But to talk about the very latest in uh, Amazon devices and uh, the things that Alexa can do, I'm joined delightfully on the line by the wonderful Kate Burley, who's the country manager for Amazon Alexa and devices here in Australia and New Zealand. G'day, Kate. Hi, Trevor. How's it going? Bloody marvellous, I can't lie. Um, feels like forever since we've chatted, but um, I've known you for a very long time and you must be loving this role. I feel like Alexa working in such an innovative space is probably, you know, really exciting space to be in. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, at times I feel a bit like a kid in a candy shop, I have to say. Um, I get get to be surrounded by all of the latest devices and they're yet to be released as well. Um, and I'm so happy that we're finally sharing the Echo Show 10, which we're going to talk about today with, with Australians. It's available finally. Uh, but we've had lots of fun playing with it in our labs and getting it ready for launch. Well, let's talk about the device straight up and then, and then we'll talk about the ecosystem broadly. I... I mean, I saw this, I think it was September last year, it was kind of announced uh, and probably available in, in the States because, you know, that that's a massive, massive market for Amazon. Um, it's it's a surprisingly useful gadget because the whole, the idea here is we've got, a, we've got a speaker, very good speaker too, by the way, and then you've got the screen, but instead of kind of putting it all in one box, you've separated them out in such a way that the screen kind of floats independently of the speaker, but most importantly... It's you can swivel it, and it can swivel itself. Kate, what's the what was the original meaning behind that, or purpose for the ability for this thing to swivel around? Well, I mean, it's an interesting one because we've really reimagined um, how Echo and Alexa works. I mean, we knew that customers loved Echo, and we knew that when we added the screen, we also knew people were getting a lot of value out of the mm. screen. But the one thing that we noticed was that at the end of the day, the screen is static and we observed and we had feedback that when people were interacting with their Alexa Echo devices, they were having to reorientate themselves in front of the screen to get the most out of it if they were looking at the screen. Mm. And we thought, you know, what would happen if we could invent something where the screen could move with our customers um, and where you move the screen follows so that you just simply have to turn around and look at the screen and it's always there and always available. Just like with the voice, it's always there and always available. Mm. So when you're talking to your speaker, you can speak to it anywhere you are in the house and interact with it. But when you want to see the screen, wouldn't it be great if, again, you could be anywhere in the house and interact and the screen just turns around and orientates towards you? So that's that's the sort of reimagining that we've put into place with this new device. Initially, I thought it was that the camera on the device was finding me, but is it a combination of voice and camera? Because I feel like when it's pointing the complete opposite direction, because if you're lucky enough to be able to sit this in a I guess in a central location where it can essentially swivel 359 degrees. Um, yeah. If it's facing away from me and I, I summon Alexa, uh, it seems to turn around to me. Is it is it knowing where I am from voice or is it just seeking me out? It's actually very clever modelling where we're using fusion audio-based motion to de detect. So it is a combination of audio and motion oh. um, that it's detecting. But like with all Alexa devices, at the end of the day, it will only turn on where you when you summons the wake word, which is in most cases the magic word Alexa. 
Um, and at that point, if you've got all of your settings set up to have motion detect, um, it will fuse your motion and voice and orientate towards you are where you are. I'm great to hear it sounds like it's working really beautifully for you, Trevor, and it just feels quite magical and seamless. It's a, um, because it's a, that's it's what a, we've been working on. It's a very strange thing because I was sitting here in the office and I – um, I've done a video, which I think has gone up today, but um, it, it, it's pointing away from me and, and I thought I'll do a demonstration. And I actually went to twist it with my hand and then as I as I talked, it turned and I went, it's quite amazing. And so I, I picture the, the kitchen slash busy family room as the primary location for this device because in our home, we have this kind of long room that you would say one end is a kitchen and the other end is a dining room. But essentially, if if the Echo Show 10, third generation that we're talking about here, is sitting essentially in the middle of that on the kitchen bench, while I'm sitting watching TV and ask a question down at the dining table end, um, Alexa can turn to me and give me that answer, potentially present an answer on the screen. But if I'm at the other end of the kitchen asking for a recipe or ingredients or instructions, it'll turn that way. And most importantly, as I'm cooking, as I walk from the oven to the to where the where the pantry is or whatever, it it will follow me. So I can always see those directions if I'm following a, a script or a YouTube video or something. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. And I think that there's two things in that, that that make it good. One, it's great to hear that it's there when you need it. Um, but the other thing is if you, you had other content, you mentioned that example where you might have a movie on in the background or something, yep. you know, you don't want the sound of something turning around to you, right? That's annoying. So one of the things that we've worked really hard on is using this brushless technology that means that when the screen moves, it's actually silent. When I first imagined this product, when I heard about it sort of, you know, in blueprint phase, I was like, oh, that'll be, I imagined it being a bit robotic going, yeah, you know, making yes, a whirring yes. sound as it moves towards you. And then you think that would be annoying after a while, right? It would create this sort of noise and distraction. But, in fact, the brushless technology that we've used means that as it moves, it's completely silent. So it feels very intuitive. And if you do have other content on in the background, it's you're going to get your answer simply or it comes up on the screen because you just want to view your answer while your other content's playing without that noise in the background. So that, that's also a nice feature that we've built into it. See, now, it's all well and good that we've talked about this cool thing that it'll follow you, but actually... I think that's just a party trick. I think the feature or the, the reason for this um, computerised swivelling is best shown in its use as an indoor security camera, which is the way I'm viewing it. I open up the Alexa app and I click on devices, I click on camera, and I can see a live view from the camera. But critically, I can swipe my finger left and right and have the, the camera follow my direction I can hear what's happening. I can interact with what's happening through two-way audio. It's a phenomenal feature and probably, and I've said this, one of, if not the best indoor security camera you can get. Yeah, I think it is a great feature. In fact, I have that set up right now. So as you'd imagine in my home office with all of us oh. working from home, I, my, my office is a little bit of a lab at the moment, but I, I have the Echo Show 10 set up in my home office. I'll tell you, my cat has also decided that it likes my home office because I'm always in it. So, you know, in it comes and it takes up residence. But today I went into the office and so I'm sitting in my office now. It's quite exciting to be mm -hmm. in here again. And um, I was actually a bit paranoid that I'd shut my office door, locked it, and locked the cat in. Oh, so in that course. case, I'm actually able to use my Alexa app on my phone, um, wake up my Echo Show 10, ask it to give a little pan around the room, 
have a look at whether the cat's in there or not and, you know, put – I don't yet have smart locks on my door, so unfortunately <laughs> I can't let it out, but I can put a call into someone to tell them to go and unlock the cat from the, from the door. One day I might I might get the smart lock set up. But you, you can see how that is just such a useful feature just to be able to have a quick look around the room, quick look around the house um, to see what's going on. And, and as with all smart devices, there's a mute button so that it doesn't have to listen and there's a, a, a toggle switch to turn the camera off and actually literally cover the camera if, uh, if you have any privacy concerns about having a camera in your home. Um, the, the, the fascinating thing for me, though, is the market that exists for these. I feel like even though you and I have talked about it a lot, um, you would talk about it every day, we're, we're kind of in a bubble, are we not? This is still very early days for smart speakers, smart devices in Australia. Well, if you look at, um, I mean, Alexa's three years old in Australia now, just on three years. So if we look at how far it's come in that three years, I mean, your mind boggles that, you know, where we could be taking this technology. Um, but I think that this step of adding the screen, adding motion, um, really making the useful um, device for security, uh, making a useful device for just all of the stuff that people love around Alexa, like listening to music with great audio quality, great vision, um, yeah, we're really building a lot into these products, which um, mean in a way, Trevor, like that what it means to you could be very different to what it means to me because yeah. the functionality is so high. So you might like it for security. I might love it just for watching Netflix yes. or watching ABC iView because it becomes a different screen in my home. Someone else might like it because it becomes a great intercom feature between rooms in a multi-level house. Um, there's just different layers that people seem to be enjoying these products on. And I think in Australia, with our open plan living, our open plan lifestyle, a little bit like that kitchen and dining room sort of set up or that mm. living room set up that you have in your home, that's very common in Australia, whether you're in a, in a family home um, or an apartment. We've all bashed yeah. our walls out. And this means that you can, in a sense, have one very high-quality device with the Echo Show 10 that can sort of act like two devices in a way because it can reorientate to which room you need it to be in at that time. You rightly mentioned the different use cases and different people's own, I guess, preference for the use case. Is that your biggest challenge in, in, in I guess, marketing and, and trying to explain these devices to people and the purpose of them that – no two people share the same, um, you know, primary need of these things. It's for some people, it's just a way to turn on the radio. For others, it's a, it's the the control for lights. Is is it an important thing that we take these early steps and and just kind of slowly step our way through this with people who aren't in in this space here to to create the early adopters, or is it to tell them everything they can do so that hopefully something resonates, so that they they grab that first little Echo Dot or whatever it is as their, as their first device or a, a screen like this to get them into the ecosystem because essentially that's what we've got to do. We've got to get people getting these devices so that they're keen to use them and then explore them in greater detail. I think it is. It's one of those things with technology. I mean, you've been writing and talking about it for years. Most of us only use about 10% of what our technology can really do. Mm. Um, we notice is we'll have two types of customers one customer who's just bought like the Echo Dot, the entry-level product, and maybe they just want it um, because it's a clock side, a bedside radio yeah. and it's brought digital radio back into their house, you know, and they've got a clock. And, you know, for that, they might have the less expensive one. Um, other people are right into the ecosystem and they're connecting their light bulbs and using the security features and they've 
wired up all of their music to it and they've got everything going. Um, and, you know, they'll tend to have them dotted all around the house. Um, and the one that we're talking about today, the Echo Show 10, is probably the premium offering in the range. So that will take pride of place in the central sort of hub of the home or maybe in the home office setup. Um, so I think, you know, for us, what we're most proud of, Trevor, is we've just got a great selection mm. of products, like from entry level um, try it out, see if you like it, and gradually build up. Or, in fact, with this product, which is $399 in Australia, it's sort of Amazon.com or JB Hi-Fi, this product maybe could be a great starting point because it actually yeah. does everything. Yeah. And maybe it's the only one you ever need because you're in an apartment and in an apartment you only need one one device, so make it the best you can get. So different people seem to come into this um category i would call it a category in a way this smart home smart speaker category mm. they're entering in at different levels depending on what their lifestyle demands i was just excited to find out what the little yellow ring on the top of the uh the echo that i had meant i just thought i thought it was an error or it was updating or something and then i realized it was because i was ordering so much these days on amazon.com.au that it was letting me know that my delivery's been ordered and, and sent and delivered and now that i've got the screen it actually tells me that on the screen i mean it's it's a phenomenal ecosystem when you dip your toe, when you dip your toe into it, and I don't think people yet understand the I guess the power of the entire Amazon ecosystem because in Australia it's still so young. Whereas in America, and you must see this when you talk to your colleagues and when you were over there when you were, when we were allowed to travel, it's it's just next level Amazon. That's right. I mean, we are a couple of years behind in Australia on this one, not because we're behind as adopters. We all know we're great tech, mm. tech adopters, but just because we launched these products a little bit late in Australia. Um, but what I would say is where we are at the three-year point in Australia, um, we've sort of leapfrogged right ahead because what Australians got was the next generation of the products. So we're getting all of the products like right now, not the products in seven years ago. So <laughs> we're riding the deep end doing a high mode. The fact that we've got this and we only had to wait three years to get this product that, you know, can now now detect you as you move around. Mm. Um, the house is pretty exciting. So, you know, I, there's a lot of features in, in this product, um, Trevor, but I, I'm glad it sounds like you're really enjoying it. Do you want to know my favourite thing about Alexa overall, though? What is it? Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, she's uh, muted at the moment, so she won't know, but Alexa, tell me a John Farnham joke. And Alexa has three John Farnham jokes. And that, Kate, is probably what pushed me over the line from the other mob because, <laughs> sure, the others can tell Aussie jokes, but can they tell John Farnham jokes? Ha-ha, <laughs> not like Alexa can. <laughs> We actually have a team of people in Australia who their job is just to sort of keep keep Alexa's personality very relevant for, for Australians. So um, I'll have to try the John Farnham jokes out. There's so much on there. I haven't found them yet. So yeah, they're um, good. that'll I'm be the a, next thing I'll go and ask her. I'm a massive John Farnham fan. They're all good. They're all very good. And just, just finally, um, my kids have Echo Dots or Clocks or whatever. They've got Echoes. Um, in their, in their bedrooms because we've got smart lights and it's just a cool way for them to turn their lights on and off when they're going to bed and stuff. Um, what, what's, what do I need to do or are we not at the point yet? I, I want to enable it so that it's a little bit more conversational. I want, I want my kids saying thank you. I, I, like, are we at a point yet where I can do that? Because I'm, I'm still so new into it, really exploring. But like when I, when I ask Alexa to turn the lights off at the office as I walk down the stairs um, and, you know, she says, okay, I want to say thank you, and, and she, she says something back. If I say, Alexa, thank you, she responds. But can I turn on a conversational mode? 
You should be able to turn it on. So if you say okay. thank you, it should be that she says no worries back or yes. my pleasure. Um, I'm pretty sure you get no worries um, most of the time. So I think that it is important with our technology. I think that people, you know, especially with kids, you yeah. don't want them to sort of just be wrapping out demands, right, and that they keep that sort of common courtesy that we, we all educate. We want our kids um, to our have kids manners. Back, manners, right? right? So yeah. manners is nice. So I think that, yeah, from that polite mode is what I would call it. Um, we're working on sort of just getting more polite mode settings in. It's always a fine line, um, yeah. Trevor, because sometimes people just want you to, you know, I just wanted you to turn on the lights. I didn't yes. want to have a conversation with you sort of thing, especially if it's night and it's dark. And so we always have this tension between is she being too chatty yes. um, or does she just do what you like and then she disappears again into the background. Um, so we're working on putting different settings so that you, mm. you can sort of determine how how much you want her to be responsive versus not. Because um, some commands, it's nice when you get that, no worries, other stuff, you're like, okay, thank you, can you just do what I ask? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can imagine it's actually quite quite a, um, sophisticated with how we interact with our technology when you introduce voice. It's essentially a can of worms, just like it is, to, you know, how, how to interact socially with people in the real world. It's a can of worms here because obviously there's other times where you open a can of worms around how long is she listening for and what is she hearing and all that other rubbish that goes around. So it's a, it's a fun thing. But, you know, I, I just I love the fact that technology can be part of our lives, but I think it's important that we have that, um, that conversation about how we interact with the real world as well because I don't want my kids uh, snapping back at people at the shops. But I absolutely love the Echo Show 10 Um I'm I'm debating whether or not I, I let it go home because I'm liking it at the office. It's just me, but you know it's nice having it, you know, here to entertain me. But I think it might be a nice one for for the kids as well. So it's a fun one, um, and it's a great little product. Three ninety nine is is a, is not a cheap price for a for a smart speaker. But as you say, it could well be the perfect introduction, but it's also the perfect step up for people that are already in the ecosystem. Um, Kate, I really appreciate your time. Um, love what you're doing, and uh, appreciate your enthusiasm. Thanks, Trevor. Great catching up. Enjoy the products. Thank you for listening and thank you for downloading. Lovely to have your company. Let's keep going with calls. G'day, Kev. How you going, Trevor? Really good, mate. What can I do for you? Yeah, my wife and I are looking to update our phones. We've got uh, a couple of five-year-old mobiles. Yeah. What do you got? What, what have you got looking now? At the Sorry? What are the ones you've got now? They're a Samsung J16. Yep, I know the ones, yep. And they've been quite good phones for what we've needed, and we've been quite happy with them, but now we find half the apps don't work because the uh, yeah. uh, operating system's outdated. Yep. So what I've been looking at is the uh, options between a Samsung A12 and a Samsung A21. Mm-hmm. S, I think it is. And I'm just trying to work out which would be the, the way to go, if I may just... A bit. We don't uh, we don't really worry about the cameras. I mean, they're good to take photos, but I use SLRs and stuff like that. Yep. So it's mainly just a good, steady phone that we can use sort of look at Facebook when we want to, those sort of things, and just give us a good general phone. Yeah. Look, the funny thing is those are two separate kind of, I'm going to say generations, but they're you know basically eight or nine months apart in terms of when they were launched. But they yep. are very, very similar in specifications, like very similar. Same size yeah, screen. Mate, same memory, um, you know, same kind of camera array on the back. So the let's be clear, the A12 is a slightly newer phone than the A21. Right. But 
the A21 will have a better brain under its hood. The thing that's not really listed in the basic specs is its power under the hood. So what I would say to you is this, in simple terms. For, for 250 bucks, the A12 is going to do exactly what you need and it's going to yep. blow your existing phone out of the water and you're going to be very happy, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. The A21 is, is also going to do that, but it'll just be that little bit snappier um, and it will probably feel snappier and be that way for longer. They will both, you know, come to end of life in the same way the J-Series did at the same time, you know, around four, five, six years from now, they'll, you'll struggle to update apps and things on them. So, right. you know, if you can stretch to the 349, you're probably better off with an A21. But if you went out and bought the $250 A12, I reckon you'll walk out after setting it up with a massive smile on your face with nothing to worry about. Your only issue might be that you need to go to your telco as well because the SIM card in the J16 might be too big for the SIM card slot in the A12. Right, right. But right. That, that's it, mate. They can switch that out in an instant. They can just give you a new SIM card. Which, which doesn't require you to do anything, sign any new paperwork. It should be a free service. I just need a smaller SIM card, thanks. And it might actually already be in the existing SIM. But just be aware I of that th- when you go the, to set it up. I think the J16 has got the micro SIM anyway. There's, there's one below micro. It's nano. Is there? Oh, yes. right. Right, but, nano. But, okay. but, but the SIM might already have that in it. It might actually just pop out and there's actually another one inside itself kind of thing. But that's, right. the, only, that's the only thing that might be a stumbling block. Otherwise, it'll feel familiar but fresh because it's a Samsung as well. So I think it's a great phone for you. It's the perfect phone for you. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, that's, I must admit, Trevor, that's after doing a lot of research and looking at all the specs and everything that I could because at my age, being an old codger at 71, we do a lot of research. Yeah. That was probably the way I was thinking, and I couldn't see much difference between the phones either mm. other than, uh, as you just mentioned, one might be a little bit more powerful. That was about all I could yeah. find, but... I just wasn't sure. It's just such little things like the the, the front-facing camera is is a notch instead of a dotch. Um, so it's a, on the A12, it's a notch up the top instead of a hole in the screen on the A21. It's so, so little oh, differences right, yep. that you would barely notice in daily use what the heck the differences were. The A21 is definitely going to have a better camera, but yep. not, not mind-blowingly. The A21 has a fingerprint reader on the back, and I, look, I actually prefer a fingerprint reader, um, you know, to all of the face unlock and all that kind of stuff. But is it a deal breaker? Probably not, you know. So personally, if you could stretch to the 349, it's, it's a better phone. But it's not going to do anything in daily use that the A12 doesn't do at 249. Oh, excellent. No, that sounds very, very good. I thank right, you for Kev, that. No worries at all, mate. Any, any, any other problems, you get in touch and let me know what you end up getting and, and how you enjoy it, mate. I will do, and well, thank you for taking the time to uh, to talk to me. I am um, very interested just to find out on those two things. My pleasure. Not a problem at all, Kev. Thanks, Trevor. Good on you, mate. And if you've got a question like Kev, just go to the website, eftm.com, and uh, click on Ask Trev. We'll uh, try and help you out and get you on the show. A bunch of videos going up this week, um, trying hard to get through kind of five a week. Um, I did skip a week there. I had that that um, um, hosting gig that I had that was pretty much dominating my time, so I had to kind of skip last week, but we're catching up now. Um, got some cool ones this week. Um, we had the um, EPOS gaming headphones. I put up today a, a PlayStation video uh, looking at a bunch of great accessories for the PlayStation 5, things you might not have thought about, like the quality of the HDMI cable, the type of TV you could have, the Wi-Fi network, and a bunch of new 
PlayStation branded accessories as well. So that goes up today. Um, tomorrow, I think tomorrow I've got the tag connected going up, which is um, just an unbelievably awesome. No, I'm thinking PlayStation might be tomorrow, actually. Anyway, I'll look at the schedule and you can work it out. Every morning I'm trying to put a video up. But so we've got PlayStation accessories. I've got the tag connected, this beautiful watch, which I think is the best smartwatch on the market, not just because I'm biased towards tag, but because it's a real watch. It's just beautiful. So I'll explain that one on the video. I've just done a video on the Echo Show 10, which you'll um, see um, we'll talk about shortly with Kate Burley. And um, and there's more to come as well. There's a, there's the cheap $129 Aspera um, uh Smartphone or smartish phone. Uh, there's some Under Armour shoes that I want to talk about. There's a bunch of videos. Plus, next week, we've got a heap more. And I've just finished building the Lego Nintendo Super Entertainment System. And I videoed me making it, but it's five hours of video, so I don't quite know how to make it into a video, but we'll we'll give it a crack. Because that is one epic piece. of. It's my favourite bit of Lego, without question, thus far, my favourite Lego set. Now I'm struggling because I don't know where to put it. Not sure I can fit it at home anywhere. I have to wait and see. What if I put it on the entertainment unit at home if my wife had noticed? Let's be honest, she will. Um, the question is, how angry will she get? That's really what it's about. How ang- angry will she get if I put the Lego out in the open as opposed to on the Lego shelf in the garage? <sighs> These are the quandaries of life. Trevor Long here taking your calls. If you've got a tech question, get in touch. Just go to the website, eftm.com. Click on Ask Trev. G'day, Don. G'day, Trev. How are you going? Yeah, really good. What can I do for you, buddy? Um, I'm retired now. Yep. I've given up. I'm uh, not working anymore. We do a lot of travelling in our caravan. Mm-hmm. I still have a, um, a a Telstra mobile that's just about to run out, actually. Yep. But instead of paying the, the, the larger contract... Um, thinking about putting on, what do I do? Do I go to a prepaid or I need data for yep. when we're travelling? Yeah. I don't need the, the um, you know, I don't need the big call costs and stuff anymore. So just looking for ideas. And and what, so you, you, you absolutely unreservedly need the Telstra network, I'm assuming you're going to tell me? No. So, no. I mean, are you willing to consider Optus and Vodafone connected carriers? Absolutely. So how much data do you need? Well, I guess we just uh, social media when we're away, keeping up with the kids and that sort of thing. And um, we, you know, like to have Netflix, mm. um, you know, and a bit, of, a bit of Google surfing, of course, that sort of thing. So, yeah, do you have a sense um, sense of what you've been using on a monthly basis? <laughs> well, it's not that it's not that much. Probably it's probably only about um, it's less than ten gig. Wow, I mean that's not a lot, mate. I mean, there's some no, really. No. The, the most basic plans will have close to that. I mean, it's actually, now let me just look in my emails. I literally this morning got an email. I'll just check it's not embargoed before I tell you about it. Um, that uh, from Belong. Now, Belong is actually broadly a Telstra, com- Telstra company, right? <clears throat> they yeah. run the Telstra network. But this is the thing. When you are traveling, I don't want you to ring me in, in bloody six months or a year and tell me you went to Timbuktu and you couldn't get mobile service and there's some <laughs> drama. So, you know, if you are out caravanning or, or the like and getting out there, then – Look, you know, Telstra is the best network with the broadest reach in the country. But in major areas, and I'm talking not just big cities, but in major highways, you know, the others are just as good. I, I drove from Melbourne to Sydney a couple of weeks ago. Um, with I've got Telstra. Oh, in the and yeah, in the, in the Porsche. I've got Telstra. And honestly, mate, it, it wasn't available as much as I thought it would be. 
you know, no, so, so know. it wasn't we there hundred percent of the time. It's 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 kind of a misnomer to think that they're everywhere. But anyway, belong. Here's their plan: twenty five dollars a month for twenty gig of data. Twenty five a month for twenty gig. Yeah. Okay. And a, is it B A L O N G? B E L B E L O N G. So oh, belong. Okay. So the other option is Boost Mobile, who are also yeah. on the Telstra network, and. They have a twelve month plan, so you pay in advance essentially, right? You pay yeah. three hundred bucks, you get two hundred and forty gigabytes, which is essentially twenty gig a month for twenty two dollars fifty a month. That's that's where. So, the thing about Boost is you pay that three hundred now, you're done for the year. Set a reminder in your calendar to sign up to something else later. But belong, you can pay month to month. You can also pay month to month with Boost. Um, they've got you know twenty eight day plans as well. Um, they're $20 plan is only 5 gig. Their $30 plan is 38 gigabytes. So put it, put it this way, okay. real simple. No matter who you pick, you should not be spending more than $30 a month for, okay. your, for your mobile data and calls and unlimited texts, okay? If That's you're spending more than yeah. that, you're wasting money. Okay. I, I really think it's that simple to say. Now, I'll give you the other example at the kind of other – End of the end of the extreme. Kogan Mobile, they run on the Vodafone network. Um, yep. They also have twelve month plans. So I'm going to look them up now. Let's have a look at their prepaid plans for mobile. <clears throat> so again, unlimited calls, unlimited texts. They're they're extra large. So let's go 365 days again for 285 dollars. So less than Boost. You get 500 gigabytes of data, which is 42 per month. So let's go down a peg and go $225 a month. You get 250 gig of data, which is 21 gigabytes a month. So, mate, with Kogan Mobile, you're paying $225 up front for a whole year of unlimited calls and texts and roughly 21 gigabytes per 30 days to use. So, Kogan. Right. So... Just, I mean, the biggest challenge there is, do you own your phone? Well, that's the other thing. I've, my my plan's just about up. Um, it runs out in, I've got to pay the phone out, and they say at the moment it's 440 bucks plus a, it runs out in two months. So in two months, you can, is it free to, like you own the phone, or are you got to pay it out still? No, I've got to pay it out. I've got to pay, well, they're telling me at the moment it's $440 to pay the phone out. Now or in two months? To buy the, to buy the phone, now. Well, can you wait two months? Should it be, shouldn't it be free in two months? No, they said there'd still be a fee. Is it a lease, not a... A lease fee, yeah, uh, a lease fee. Friggin yeah. lease. I'm so annoyed with the big telcos for introducing leases about two years ago. They've stopped doing it because it, it is, frankly, a rort. It's just, you know, for businesses, totally fine. But for you and me, I mean, you, you're at the end of a contract, you should own the phone. That's my yeah. view, and it's 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 a. Well, it was a business phone before I'm, before I. Yeah, I know, but it's a business plan. That's so. not really. It's not like you're a you know multi million dollar corporation. You know, no. doing tax deductions and leasing things. Anyway, moving on from that, um, what sort of phone is it? How old is it? Two years it's old. So, uh, um, it's a iPhone ten. So you have you're happy with the phone? No need to upgrade the phone. All good. No, it's fine. Yeah. And what it's are you what are you paying every month now? Uh, about uh, it's seventy five dollar plan. So. 75 plus at least. I think it's 85, close to 90 bucks a month. So you're paying 90 bucks a month now, right? So you're currently paying $1,080 a year, right? Mm. So yep. we're going to save you 700 a year. 
you've just got to cop the cop the price up front. So if you have to spend a few hundred dollars to buy That's the phone, fine. then yeah. whoop de doo, you own the phone and you're saving big bucks ongoing. And from that point on, it's it's all about you know saving really. And the, yeah. the, and the missus can be in the same position. She own her phone or? Um, yeah, we put her on the, the, the Telstra. We were told oh, a little while ago to go on the Telstra, $150, $150 a month for six six months. Oh, no, sorry, $150 for six months. Yep. And I think they gave her uh, 50 gig or something, 60 gig or something like that. Right. So, and look, that so, 50 gig might be well and enough for her over six months. But just to put that in perspective, over 12 months, that's $300 for 100 gigabytes. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. we're talking here about boost on the same network, uh, Telstra network, and, you know, double yeah. or triple the data. So you, you can just see how – and, mate, I'm, I don't want to judge you on finance and stuff, but I assume when I retire I'm going to be a tight ass. Even though I love spending money, I'm going to become a tight ass and I'm going to go, you know what, oh, if I can save 80 bucks, I'm going to go to Kogan Mobile. And, and that's yeah. 80 bucks. That's, you know, that's a meal out when, on your next yeah, trip sure. to Wagga. You know, like it's – well, how do we get onto Boost or Kogan? Just website, just on real the, simple, online? mate. You go to the website and you'll yeah. you'll pay probably a two dollar or five dollar fee to have a SIM card sent to you. And so, okay. what happens? Keep my number. Yep. So you, you, yeah. you they send okay. you the SIM card, and then when you activate that SIM card, again, it's an online process. You fill in some details. You need to prove ID and stuff. But critically, within the process, there's a point that says, "Do you want to keep your number or do you want to use a new number?" That's when you say, "I want to keep my number." And it'll ask you whether you're a prepaid or postpaid customer with Telstra. You're probably a postpaid customer. All you'll yep. need is your account number. So you'll need your Telstra account number, your date of birth and all that kind of stuff. And it'll send a text message to your phone saying, do you really want to leave us? If you don't, then ring us. If you do, then keep going, which is essentially mm. a way of checking that no one's frauding you out of your mobile number. And, mate, within like an hour, maybe two, your mobile number will work on that new SIM card and you'll be mm. a Kogan or a Boost customer. And you keep right, your yeah. phone number forever. Right, fantastic. Thanks, right. Drew. And then in six months, when the wife comes off the six month plan with Telstra, you can reevaluate hers and see whether or not she. And that's the great thing too. She's on Telstra now, so for the next six months, you might be on Vodafone with Kogan, and she yeah. might be on Telstra. And you realise that you know what? In those moments where you don't have coverage with Vodafone, she's got coverage, and so you might choose to put her on a long term boost plan, and or a month to month boost, or Aldi, or belong plan with Telstra network so that you've got two different networks in the car at all the times, which is not a that, bad way to that, go. No, that'd be a good idea because like you say, different parts of Australia, you, go, you struggle to get struggle to get service anyway. So You'll be blown away by, I remember we, again, this is going back a bit, we drove from Brisbane to Adelaide, another electric car trip, and there was three of us in the car, one had Optus, one had Vodafone, one had Telstra, and I, I, I'm going to tell you, Vodafone did just as well as the others. In, in, in lots of areas, Optus did just as well as Telstra. It's it's kind of a misnomer. You've really got to go rural to lose all the networks except Telstra. Yeah. Okay. All right, Don, we've saved you Good some choice. cash, mate. Good luck. Happy yeah. travels. Hey, thanks, Trev. Thanks for doing no that. No worries, That's mate. fantastic. No worries at Good all. Enjoy your, enjoy your retirement, mate. Cheers. Thanks Good so much. You. No worries. And uh, if you've got a question uh, like Don, just get in touch anytime. Just go to the website eftm.com and click Ask Trev. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Now, despite the fact that I don't own an electric car, I'd like to think I'm well-versed on the electric car world. Um, I don't have the same passion as many owners because I feel partly that's because I'm not part of the reality distortion field that is electric cars. 
but I have a massive love for the concept and for where we're going with it. And I think that if you followed my 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 life and my my work over the last five years, ten years, you will know that because I've done I've driven from Brisbane to Adelaide in an electric car, and I've driven from Melbourne to Sydney in an electric car, both times essentially testing both the car and the ability to do these drives and and make this work. But there's something that's a constant in any use of an electric car, especially if you're a non-Tesla driver, um, and that is the Charge Fox network. And I think people that don't know what an electric car is, haven't driven one and you know haven't had to plug one in, probably don't know what it is either. So I thought we'd dig deep on that and we'd find out a little bit about the network and what it is, how it works and where it's going with the CEO of Charge Fox, Marty Andrews, and he's on the line. G'day, Marty. G'day, Trevor. How are you? Hey, really good. Um, I utterly love what you're doing. I don't understand how it works because, you know, the the numbers are small. the The cost must be really high to put in a charger. I assume this is some long term plan without short term immediate gain. Uh, yeah, that's very true. So, um, yeah, ChargeFox. I'll start with the, you know, the first bit. ChargeFox is essentially Australia's largest electric vehicle charging network. Uh, so we both install and operate our own chargers, but we also operate chargers on behalf of other parties who've installed them. So, so good examples that you've covered might be the Queensland Electric Superhighway up the coast of Queensland. Yep. Uh, we operate the RAC Electric Highway in WA, uh, but we've also built our own, the kind of the backbone of the network is this, these ultra-rapid chargers that, that you recently experienced kind of driving the Porsche Taycan from, from Melbourne up to Sydney. Um, so those ones are the, are the biggest and most expensive and they kind of form the backbone of, of the network. And you're right, it's, it's a long-term play. There's, there's you know, roughly 20,000 cars in Australia. That number needs to get to millions mm. um, um, and, and will do in the future and yeah. that's when it really starts to pay off for us. And, and does the future, let's fast forward literally 10, 20 years, is the future yeah. that there's as many charging stations as there are petrol stations, as many people believe, or is the future more about the 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 network of stations less about the number of them yeah i i think in in terms of uh, two things one is um it's a bit like the the mobile phone network wars when optus and telstra mm. were first were first coming out so the first step is coverage there needs to be charges that are everywhere that you go so that every australian kind of has access to use public charges yep. and, that, and that's the first step but once you've got that, as more and more cars come out, you start to care about density. You need more of them. Yes. Now, now, lots of people will charge at home, so you don't necessarily need as many public sites as you have petrol stations because people is will that, just. Is charge. that a misnomer that that you come across that people say, "How are you ever going to build as many? How are you going to have you know enough charges at one location for the hundreds of cars?" But in reality, I think it was Mercedes said to me, "96 percent of charging is done at home." So it's a completely different. It, it turns the concept of motoring on its head. Absolutely. It's to- totally different. And, and the other misnomer that I get is is we can't have charges until we've got all of the all of the um, sites done. Like, and, of course, they can both grow hand in hand. We don't mm-hmm. need to solve um, enough charging stations for, for 10 million cars today. We need to solve enough cars for, 20, for 10 million cars maybe in 2030, 2040, that, that kind of distance. So we, we can build them as we go. Let me be brutal then. Um, one of the problems I have with the concept of a startup, and I think you, you would describe yourself mm-hmm. as a startup because you're, you're, you're small, agile, and you're, you're literally innovating, um, yep. is startups that, that have no plan to make money. And, you know, 
you can sure. have this thing where you, where people get so reliant on a really cool app or a really cool service, but that thing dies in a year and a half because they couldn't make money to, to sustain themselves. Am I right in saying Charge Fox's genius at the moment is partnering with big car companies who essentially need to, and you don't have to speak on it, but they need to be partnered with you so that they can sell cars and, and sell the journey and sell the story. And so that's helping you not just you know keep running, but keep the lights on, but also build and expand and grow. Yeah, I think I think that's half the story, uh, Trev. So so certainly, like it's it's very unusual to be able to kind of build a business where all of the car companies are basically working together, right? Like mm. they, they are they are all of our customers, and they need this infrastructure to sell to sell cars. And it's it's a bit of a trend that has happened overseas. Um, indeed, internationally, the car companies have even banded together to to create and invest in those right. businesses. Yes. In, in Australia, they're our customers. The other half is just our investor base. Like we, we have very good investors and they include the motoring clubs like the RACV wow. and the NRMA and the RACQ. They've been around for 100 years and they exist to support the future of motoring and they mm. care deeply about electric vehicles. So rest assured, we have a good customer base and a good investor base that are here for the long term. So how is, is the future, and you mentioned the mobile network wars, um, we've obviously yeah. got Tesla and their network, and we've got the, the Charge Fox network at this point, the, you know, the two biggest networks, they're, they're enormous. Um, yeah. You would argue there's probably smaller ones. I don't know what they are, but anyway, let's not worry about them. Yeah. But is the future going to be that, there, that you, you, you expect there to be more, or is Australia actually so small in scale population-wise, but large in, in mass, yeah. that yeah. it probably won't happen that way and it will just fall down to, to a couple of big networks just like it has with telcos? Yeah, I think this is this is one of the very few advantages of being a laggard in the world um, <laughs> take, is that you get to see that the mistakes that have happened internationally. If you go into the kind of the Nordic regions of Europe, there are literally dozens and dozens of networks because oh. they all kind of popped up at the same time and it's very kind of scattered. Um, I, we will end up with more networks in Australia, I'm yeah. sure, but, it, yeah. but we won't end up with that kind of problem where you've got to have, you know, 10 different apps and five different fobs in your, yes. in your, in your car to kind of deal with that as you, as you drive down the road. That, that is the laggard thing, isn't it? We've, we've kind of come to a point where we have a basic standard. I know there's really a couple, but essentially you only yeah. need to fit two plugs now and really yeah. it won't be long before you only need one. So we have yeah. actually got to a point where you don't need to go and overhaul all your infrastructure because we're, we're pretty much future ready with the infrastructure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so there's um, yeah there's a trend on the on the two plug types we've kind of standardised in Australia. So any cars coming to Australia now will be one of those. Um, uh, in particular, I think that's the, the the early Teslas were a different plug type, but now they're just the same as everyone else. Yeah. Um, and, and even over time, as we start to as those other networks do come out, like we expect it'll happen, I, there'll be kind of um, there'll be partnering and roaming agreements, a bit like there is with the mobile networks yeah, now, right? Yeah, of course. Which would be the yep. smart way to go. So that it's a one app, Absolutely. one dongle, one one system, because that will fracture the market. See, the problem is if in five, ten years we're talking about a large increase in numbers, but then you have this you know, negativity, and it's only narky negativity, but, you know, it's not as easy as filling up at a petrol station because you can go to any petrol station. It's only, but the example there is people have a company car and they've got a, you know, Caltex card. You can't go to yeah. Shell, all right? So it actually does exist today in that sense. Absolutely, yeah. But critically, ChargeFox is an open network, so any electric car can charge there, whereas a Tesla supercharger, for example, I can't take the Porsche to um, because I'm not, 
on the Porsche on the Tesla network. So that's right. That's that's the way your business model grows. But here's where I'm curious about: you've got these great partnerships, um, RACQ mm. or whatever they might be, that build the kind of they know where the big highways are. How do you determine where to go next or where you're moving to? Because <laughs> yes, you know, selfishly, everyone's got a story, don't they? Like my mum's pub is in Walker, Walker Road. It's yeah. a you know five and a half hour drive. I ain't taking an electric car there. Well, in the foreseeable time, because I've got yeah. to go through Singleton, Scone, and Tamworth before a forty-minute drive to Mum's, where I might be able to get a slow charge. Like it's yeah. a it's a long time away before that part of the highway gets covered. So, and it's also it takes time. You can't just pop these things up quickly because I'm assuming it's not just about finding a place, then you've got to do a deal to be in that place. That deal, I don't know how they work. Some of them you might have to pay for. Some of them might be great relationships. But you've also got to get the power there. Yeah, that's right. And, and people, you know, it's, it's, it's a really enormous amount of power, Trevor, and, and not a lot <laughs> of people really understand that. Like we, we, we build, you, you drove through some of our sites at Euro and Manawatha, oh. for example. Um, those sites have sufficient power on them to kind of charge to run a medium-sized apartment block with kind of, you know, 20 or 30 apartments in. Like, it's an enormous yeah, amount yeah. of power that you, you put in there. Um, so, yes, there is there is power is a big constraint, and that just means that places that already have power are really useful, which are yeah, things right. like shopping centres, for example. And, th- and that's kind of great because people already go to the shopping centre. So, yeah. if you happen to just – you're just going to do your shopping or watch a movie or get some groceries and you can charge your car while you're there, great. And shopping centers have already got the power, so they, they, they tend to be kind of good, convenient locations. Mm, mm. Um, the, the highway ones in the regions are a bit different. Um, to come back to your question about where do you go next, there's, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just refer to my comments about coverage and density, right? So some of it's just coverage. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about regional areas, um, to be frank, there's, there's very little commercial merit in me building a site out in the country somewhere because I'm right. just, I'm, I may never make money from it. That's right. Um, so government has a huge because you're not, to play you're not out selling there. lollies. Like Shell might put a no, service station there, and they're, they're making right. more money off coke and chocolates than they are out of petrol. Absolutely, absolutely. So government has a big role to play in the regions, um, and that can be uh, federally on the major highways, but also state based. So lots of states have announced funding to support EV infrastructure. Okay. Yeah, a, a good example is WA. Have got the WA government have got a plan to put charges um, all around the coast of WA, right up north, like that. Wow. that that road would probably never have any commercial merit in it, yep. um, but it makes sense for the government to cover it. Because it will drive, um, well, I guess there's, there's probably already a term, I'm not coining it, but there will, it will drive EV tourism. That's right, yeah. And especially in a post-bushfire, post-COVID world mm. where we're not going overseas and, we, and people are staying home and doing road trips in their local state or in the, or in the country, yet road tourism is, is massively growing um, and it's a great way for the state governments to stimulate the local economy. Mm. Mm. Put some charges in, get people driving to those towns. They spend money at the local shops. They stay in the local accommodation. It's a, it's a good outcome. I had a caller a couple of weeks ago who was frankly baffled by the up to 350 kilowatt charging potential of one of your ultra-rapid chargers because he said he was a spark and he was trying to do the numbers. A couple of other people said he probably got the numbers wrong a bit, but he was talking about amperages and voltages and, and I don't know whether this is your yeah. specialty, but Jesus, it just, it's a lot of power. Um, it's a lot of power, yeah. How, not how is it safe in terms of we're trying to doomsday here, but how on earth yeah. do you harness that power? Because it is a big bloody cable, um, yeah. but 
generally, how do you harness the power and make it safe and efficient and um, smart? Yeah, well, the so the um, I mean, you've used them, right? The cables are big and heavy. Yeah. They're often they're often the, the most powerful ones are often water cooled as well, right. so that they so they don't heat up. Um, but essentially, they're, they're DC power when they're charging that fast. So um, so you're kind of pouring it directly into the battery into the, yeah. in the car. Um, and when we talk about that kind of power, you're probably at um, 900 volts plus um, uh, and big amperage uh, as well. Uh, so the cars have to be able to drink from the fire hose. So, mm-hmm. so one of the things people don't quite understand is we're just making sure that the, the charges aren't slowing your charge down. But mm-hmm. not all cars... In fact, no cars in Australia yet can charge that fast. Um, I, I, was, as, I was a bit put off by that. And I, it was kind of something I needed to investigate further. But I feel, yeah. like, feel like the – I don't have the data in front of me, but Porsche kind of announced that car as being this huge numbers. The numbers were exceptional yeah. and we'd never seen it before. But yeah. I didn't see it go past 150 kilowatt. Yeah. Yep. And it's, and it's, it's a complex conversation to dive into. But essentially um, – all cars have what we call a charge curve. So if you if you turned up with a very low, with a, a nearly empty battery, it would kind of immediately go up to about as fast as it could. Uh-huh. But it might only do that until the battery was at twenty percent, and then it right. would start to taper off. And you probably saw that, I imagine. You would see it kind of. It would have started high and then gotten lower as, as the as, as the charge position went on. My my review, oh, mate. I don't think I saw the car go below thirty percent. I mean. Like because yeah. the the journey, the charging was so fast. E- even when I thought I was only going to stop for a for a toilet break and a and a drink, I got bloody thirty, forty, fifty percent out of it. So yeah, like it was remarkable to me how ultra rapid really was ultra rapid in the right car. And what I now want to see is you know how the cheaper models do that same thing. You know that's a that's a different question, and that's probably the bigger question because the the affordable EVs is where the market needs to go. But yeah. You're right, like it's, it's the charging curve. So if you were going to get near 350, it's only going to be early on and it's going to be quick and then it's going to taper itself off all the way that's to the right. end because it needs to it needs to safe. That's all about the, the car intelligently and safely accepting that current, isn't it? Correct, yeah, that's right. And, and I think like in terms of the tech, I think it's like all things in cars, I think. You know, it, it, as the it comes out in the premium cars first and as yeah. it becomes more mainstream, it gets commoditized and cheaper, it makes its way down to the kind of cheaper cars over time. So. Lastly, yeah. the, the, the big question you get is about the, the green nature of driving an EV. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. just, you just plug it into the wall, it's coal, power, coal powering. I saw some solar panels around, but I can't imagine those solar panels were creating enough power to charge, take, take the amount of power I was taking out. So how, yeah. how is the network uh, green? Yeah, so that, the simple answer is that every site that we build, um, we, we are still connected to the grid. And we have a green power contract with our energy retailer. Okay. Um, so you, you can kind of figure that out. But essentially, the, 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 the retailers just guarantee that they will buy however much energy we, we use. They guarantee that they will buy that much energy from a solar farm or a wind farm or mm. you know, some renewable energy source. Um, Who orders that? that? Is, <laughs> this is not, uh, it's not about you. But it's just it's one of those it, things. Who orders the retailers? Everyone says that I'm buying green power. Is Who's auditing yeah. the retailers to make sure that they're – they're, they're buying as much or they're creating as much as they're selling. Yeah, I think I think the, so. The green power is the kind of the government name for that program. So okay. there there is a there is an audited program behind that that the retailers will have to conform to. to Just being sure a conspiracy that, theorist, mate. But then at that sure. site, you've got batteries, so you are you are taking some solar, you are charging batteries, and you are utilising that Absolutely. where you can because that's the smart thing yep. to do, isn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah, and and when the charges are not working, we're we're still feeding that back into the grid, and we're using the batteries to support the grid locally. So, mm. um, we talk a bit about a transport led transition to renewables. So mm. it's not just about the cars. We're actually also helping the grid generally by by building some of this infrastructure. Yeah, uh, and the supporting pieces behind it. Man, it's a fascinating business that you're in because really, you know, it's a 20-year roadmap and as much as people would love it to be a five-year roadmap or whatever it is, the realistic point here is that we've got a generation, generational change to make. We've got to move, I think, personally, I think we move uh, rapidly to plug-in hybrids that, that really cut the emissions and really give us that low-end value in the, in the smaller cars while at the premium and the, the mid-range we, we move to EVs quicker than, than at the lower end. And it's amazing to think. I mean, this is where you want the DeLorean, right? You want to go forward and go, yeah. what does it look like? You know, where, where do you see the Charge Fox logo? Is it up next to the big petrol Bowser's logos on the highways because they, you know, they are willing to have it so that they're, they're selling the meat pies while you're selling the electricity? There's some fascinating potential yeah. that you, know, you must have a million different roadmaps and you're just going to take the one you can as you go along. Yeah, and I think um, just to kind of throw some numbers out at you, like the the independent analysis being done in the industry s- says that, you know, by kind of mid-2040s to 2050, every car in Australia is an EV. Um, and that's 20 million cars, right? So from from, from 20,000 today, there's a long road ahead to get there. Um, it's a big exponential curve. But, you know, at some point when they get cheap enough, and this will happen because ba- batteries are just con- continually getting cheaper and cheaper, Lots of the manufacturers are just announcing plans to stop making petrol cars. Yeah. Um, at some point, you know, it'll be very common just to walk in a dealership and your next car will be an EV and you won't even really think about, you yeah. know, a petrol alternative. Yeah, exactly. Well, I won't yeah. bother you with the tax conversation. I'll have that with someone else. That is a deep conversation, lots of facets to it. I've been watching your commentary okay. on it with interest. <laughs> All I, mate, all I want, and I'm going to get, what's his name, um, J- J- um, EV Council dude. Anyway, I'll oh, get, yeah, yeah. I'll get him on, Jihad, that's him. I'll get him on because yeah. all I want, I, I want electric vehicles. See, it's funny how much hate I get about my conversation yeah. around taxes. But the, 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 the industry needs a plan. They need, they need a proposal. You can't just say no. You need to say how. Yeah. And I think, yeah. oh, mate, I, I, would, I would lead that conversation if someone would help me with what the conversation is. That's all I'm asking for. So yeah. hopefully we can make some ground on that in the next uh, little while. But um, right now, if you've got an EV, <laughs> folks, get on the open road because if you haven't taken it on the open road, it's a wonderful journey and it is completely free of that anxiety um, because there's great cafes and great places to eat and great places to stop every single time. I love the network, mate. You've done an amazing job with it. It's, um, it's a credit to you and everyone working on it and uh, I look forward to following and how it goes over the many years ahead. Thanks, Trevor. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Get in touch anytime you like. Just to hit me up on the website, EFTM.com. You can follow me on socials as well, on Instagram at TrevorLongAU, on Twitter at TrevorLong, and at EFTM as well, which is where Oz sent me a DM. G'day, Oz. G'day, mate. How are you going? Yeah, real good. What's, uh, what's happening in your world? You were catching up on some podcasts, talking EVs. Yeah, and I um, listened to your one there, calling out for people who have um, made the jump. Yeah, what'd you um, get? Well, we've ordered a uh, GLC 300E, the Mercedes. Um, it's not quite a full electric vehicle, but it's the hybrid. Yes, it's um, the plug-in hybrid, right? Because it's got the um, it's got the plug right at the back. That's the one. Yep, on the back bumper bar. Um, I, I I was doing a bit of research. It's time for a new car. We've had our old um, 
trusty, reliable Mitsubishi Outlander for about 13 years now. Wow. So um, the kids are all grown up. They're, my youngest is uh, just about turning 18 and getting her own license and car. So yeah. this one was for me and the missus. So I'm, I'm just hoping that you, you've mentioned to Mercedes that you um, you made the decision based on the review at EFTM.com and the fact that we awarded that car best SUV last year. Do you know what? I actually did see that and I went and I was actually hoping you'd written more about it and you'd driven it, but you, you hadn't actually personally driven no, it flips, yet. Flips, flipsy drove it. Um, I took it around the block when he came to the office, but um, no, I think actually, you know what? I picked it up. I picked it up because uh, Flipsy doesn't come to the office much. I picked it up, plugged it in here and charged it up. I, I, my, this is what I loved about it. And I, I, we keep saying this a bit, but it's, it's the electric experience. You get the electric experience 90% of the time until you hit the open road and drive more than your few Ks a day. And, you know, that's what I'm super keen on. That's what actually probably was a deciding factor for me. I mean, I've never had a German car, a full luxury car like this. So yeah. um, I'm getting – I'm probably a little bit older than you. Yeah. So <laughs> not, not too much, <laughs> not but too I'm much, still under the much. 50. I'm, yeah. I'm not as old as um, not Fennec. our old mate Steve. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but now um, – we, we actually went out and had a look at the Lexus. That's what my wife oh, was really yes. keen on, the, the NX300H. And, um, because they do so much hybrid because of their, their cause Toyota were the, were the pioneers of hybrid, essentially, right? Exactly, right. The original, right? So we thought, let's go give that a drive. And look, if I'm honest with you, Trev, I've come to the conclusion that whoever buys a Lexus out there, I mean, no disrespect to anyone, but I really feel like they're just buying it for the badge. Mate, Purely I say this with the greatest respect to everyone who's bought a Toyota and a Lexus. I just don't see the appeal. So in a Lexus, so there's a couple of things. Firstly, I just think the fit and finish is not quite Euro at all. Like it doesn't even it, doesn't even come close to feeling exactly. like a Euro. And I know that Japanese cars are a different style and a different everything, but just everything from the infotainment system to the layout, I, I just it just doesn't feel as premium as a European car does. And the second thing is... And I think you mentioned this to me in in your tweet. the The hybrid experience is it feels old school now when you've got the plug in hybrid opportunity. Exactly. It's it. It just to me, it just felt really sluggish that car. And I mean, um, from memory, I think we were looking at the NX three hundred F F Sport or whatever they call it. And I think yeah. it was about eighty five thousand dollars. I mean, that was at the upper end of my budget, really. And then. But I couldn't justify that sort of money. We actually stepped out of the Lexus dealer. We were at Parramatta, and I'm sure you know Toyota is next door. We went yeah. and drove the the hybrid, the brand-new hybrid RAV4, yeah. and it's in the Lexus. So all of a sudden, we were in a conundrum thinking, well, we don't need to spend 85000 This yeah. $47,000 car is going to do the job. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then that afternoon, I had a booking at Alexandria. Yeah. So we went down there. We jumped into the Merc, and they're so good down there, just chucked the keys to us, basically, and said, mate, we close at five, bring it back before then, you're right. I went, oh, wow, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you know what? That's a very interesting thing, because in the end, did that would have had kind of a much as much of an impact on you because of a great sales experience as the car itself. 100%, because there was no pressure with a salesman in the back seat. And <laughs> just basically, it was just me and my wife. We jumped in the car, went around three corners, and I looked at my wife, and I said, okay, we're getting this. Uh, <laughs> it was as simple as that. I mean, when you just sit in it for the extra fifteen thousand or whatever it was from the Lexus, it was just literally night and day. What? what and so, then, what did you end up? What's the driveway on on the kind of model you went for? I'm assuming you went reasonably base. 
No, actually, I got pretty much every option on it other oh. than the seat cooling. I couldn't justify the extra <laughs> six and a half thousand for fans blowing up my backside. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, I, I feel like we got a pretty good deal. It was just under the hundred and ten mark. Yep. Um, drive away. So, with all the options Did and you, a tow bar included. Geez, I hope the Lexus. Geez, I hope the Lexus dealer are listening because they they've just heard a bloke here say that you drove the Lexus, which was. In in the upper part of your price range, and then you went away and spent way more essentially yep. on a yep. on a better car. Oh, a, a, a way better car. Mm. Like like I said to you in the tweet, I, it sounds stupid when when we're talking about these sort of dollars, but I honestly feel like in this price range, this is great value for money. This car. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I agree because mate, that is an electric car around town. I'll tell you what, an electric trip, car. Sorry. The, the other thing which really swayed me is that we, we drove this car in December for the first time and they had just introduced a five-year warranty with this car mm. instead of the normal three years. That's also a big factor buying this Merc. Mm. So, and then that electric um, factor that you're saying, the, the pure electric is um, you get 43 or 45 Ks, I think it's rated. My my wife, she can drive to work and back home. They've got a plug-in station at their work as well there. So she can drive to work and back. We can go drop the kids off here and there, go to my parents' house all week, and we won't have to spend a litre of petrol. It's just perfect. It really is the perfect stepping stone. Like, I believe that we'll all go electric and I can't wait. But for the next five to ten years, let's just focus on plug-in electric so that we're cutting. See, people often have a gut me for not being greeny enough, but like that – if if everyone went if everyone went plug in hybrid, a it wouldn't be as expensive as electric because it's a it's a cheaper way to go, but we would cut emissions and all that stuff by such a huge amount because so many people don't drive enough to justify the fully electric range and the, a plug in hybrid does everything they need. So yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by. It. I think you've mate. I mean, when does when you you've ordered it? When do you get it? It's due to land in the country, I believe, sometime this week, and then I think it takes them a week or two to get the car to me. So, isn't that the early worst? April? I think. Isn't that so the I'm worst just waiting part? And you know it's 100%. here, like you get a note, you know it's here, and then the worst part is you know it's the dealership, and you're like, oh, pre-delivery, they're just polishing it. Just, just give me the keys. <laughs> That's what we're waiting for now. So it's, we've had it on order since January, so it's been a long wait. Oh, mate, well done to you. Good luck. Enjoy the uh, electric experience and enjoy, mate, most importantly, as much as the electrics are fun and cool thing, you are going to fall in love with European cars and you will never own anything else because, you know, just the fit, the finish, the quality, the ride, the handling, the infotainment, the dash, everything is just so premium and, and you realise why they are priced the way they're priced compared to the Mitsubishi Outlander, you know, like... Simple. I couldn't agree more. As soon as you just sit in the thing, it's just amazing, yeah. I'm just totally... Looking forward to the experience and can't wait. <laughs> Good on you, mate. And uh, thanks for reaching out, buddy. Good to hear from you. Thank you very much, Trevor. And if you've got a question or you've got a, a feedback or you've got an experience like uh, like Oz does, that's that's what you want to hear. You want to hear people who've had that buying experience. I mean, you know, you don't you don't buy a $110,000 car without researching it and driving it. And isn't that fascinating? Think about that Lexus dealer who just missed out on his money. Um, and maybe they were never going to get it because the driving experience wasn't what he was looking for. But, Yeah. There you go. Brand new car coming your way. All right. You can get in touch. Go to the website, EFTM.com. This is the EFTM Podcast. Thank you once again for listening. I do appreciate your time. I do appreciate the fact that you bother um, to subscribe and and play this through. 
uh, all the way to the end. Um, it means a lot and uh, it keeps me going, uh, as do your emails. Just go to the website, eftm.com. Uh, I, I mentioned, I don't know, a month ago, um, that one of my ideas was was to, to to buckle this or buck this kind of Facebook reliance that we have was an app, and I can tell you right now, the first screenshots are through. I'm very excited, very excited. Um, I I don't know that I'll open up the early testing to anyone outside of the man cave moderators, but maybe I'll call out for a couple of people. If you're the kind of person that really does, if if you know what test flight is, email me. And um, in a in a few weeks, when we're ready to put some test versions out, we'll um we'll see what it is. And it's not an app where you, you can. It's not an app for you to read EFTM. That stuff it's on the web. It's on Apple News. You can find it all the time. It's an app to 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 know that there's new EFTM content. That's the entire purpose of it. Um, so you can have widgets that tell you what's new, get notifications, but granular notifications. So you can choose to get everything, or you can choose to get just some. So I'm hoping to find a nice balance there for everyone in terms of what you'll want when we get the app out. Um, so, yeah, get in touch. Let me know what you think. Um, always interested in feedback. And I'm recording on a Tuesday. <sighs> Got to tell you, tomorrow is a super exciting day. Super exciting day. Um, I am going to record a vlog about our next competition. And I guess I'll probably put that out this week. I don't know. I'll think about it. The competition won't start until mid-April and it will run for six weeks. That might give you some sense of how big it's going to be. I'm very excited. Thanks for listening. 